0: I really love all of our little friends here. Uh, during the connection video with the music, there was one of our friends over here getting his dance on. And I was like, I loved, I loved watching him get his dance on to the music, to the beat. Oh man, we love the next generation. We believe that they are part of not only the future of the church, but of the church of today, as well as you've heard me say again and again and again, and we'll continue to make that one of our mantras as well. Well, today we're continuing a series called Practice Makes Progress. Say that with me. Practice makes progress. Turn to your neighbor and say, practice makes progress. And do you guys know the spinoff of where this title comes from? What's the statement that's often said? Practice makes perfect, right? That's what we, we've been told our whole lives. We've been, we've been handed a lie, right? <laughs> practice makes Perfect. But really what we want to do is we want to really change that narrative and that focus and shift it to the idea of how do we make progress in our lives? And the way that we do that is to practice. And so as we think about that, I want to just give you some things that we talked about in week one because they're going to build onto what we're going to talk about today. And here's the first part of it. We said that the pursuit of perfection often leads to us being paralyzed, pulverized, or prideful. And so when we talk about this idea of, hey, I want to hit perfection, I want to strive to hit this mark, many of us, we don't even know where to start and we get paralyzed, right? We cannot make forward movement in our lives that way. Then we've got high achievers in the room, right? We've got many of you here in the room and we're like, you know what? I'm going to hit that perfection, right? I'm going to get it. I'm going to go after it. And even as we're doing our very best and we're doing pretty well, we get crushed under the weight of the fact that we can't be perfect all the time. We can't always get 100%. And then we're introduced to people who are better than us at certain things, right? And then all of a sudden we get crushed under that weight. And then there's also the idea that some of us, when we make this the pursuit, we can become prideful because then we think we're actually the standard. We think, hey, I've arrived, here I am. And rather rather than making the goal perfection, we want to make the goal the target progress because we're called to make progress, which brings us to this part of what we're really anchoring this series on. And it's this idea that the Bible uses the word perfect to speak to our maturing. In other words, to make progress in becoming like who? Becoming like Jesus. And, and you, you can see this throughout different references. James 1, he talks about this idea of being made perfect and to pray to that end as we're experiencing difficulties and challenges. You see in Colossians 1, Paul says, I want to present everybody mature in Christ. And mature isn't limited to what I know. It's about who I'm becoming. The progress I'm making to be like Jesus and to join Jesus and what he was about and how he lived his life. And you see that in Jesus' life as well, Luke 2.52. He grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and men. You know, we see this play out in the life of Jesus. And then Paul would also reference in Ephesians 4 about maturing in the way of love as the body, the body is aligned to the head of the church, which is Jesus himself. And so reference after reference, you hear this idea of making progress in our journey to become like Jesus. Because at the end of the day, he is the target. He is the goal. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12.1. And so we run this race keeping our eyes on him, who is the one that goes before us. He's the one that we have our eyes linked on and and synced up to the way of life that he was about. And that's good news for us because it frees us, frees us to run with the one who goes ahead of us, the one through his life, death, burial, and resurrection has made a way. This is good news. This is good news. And this is the fuel that gives, gives us the progress to make in our own life in the different areas that God has called us to. Well, the next part of this, as we think about it, is that when we practice, we make progress with living an integrated life in Jesus. Because one of the things that I have noticed, and I I think there's power in having areas of focus and expertise areas, but one of the things I've noticed in the church in particular is that we like to compartmentalize our lives. We say, hey, this area is spiritual, But this area is not spiritual. And then we limit actually what discipleship is, which is to become a learner under the master teacher, Jesus, who is the one that we're to apprentice under. And instead of living an integrated life, we live a disintegrated life because we have these different compartments that we say, oh, Jesus, you you go here, the spiritual compartment. But when it comes to my finances, my relationships, the physical side of my... You know what? There's not an integration to those things. But again, in Scripture, we hear again and again the idea that we are called to be people who are integrated in Jesus and with Jesus in all of our lives because He cares about us. He's for us, by the way. He's not trying to hold anything back on us. He actually wants us to flourish and thrive in the way in which we're intended to, to live are found in his boundary lines that he has created for us. And so we need to just ask ourselves again and again, am I living an integrated life or a disintegrated life? Because Jesus again wants for us to live this integrated life with him, which then leads us to the areas that we're focusing on. So through this series, we're focusing on this these areas, spiritual, mental, emotional, financial, physical, relational. We're, we're focusing on these areas. And what we're doing is we're saying, hey, what does the scriptures have to say about these areas? And, and there's probably more you could add to this list, but what we want to do is we want to just look at these areas and say, we're committed over this next year and beyond <clears throat> to make progress in our lives with Jesus. And what we want to not do is give a bunch of to-dos. So we want to be careful here. Uh, what, I, what, I don't, what, what I don't want you to walk away with is like, oh man, here's a long list of what I need to do but rather in response to who Jesus is, saying, I want to join you in these practices that could help me to take on your likeness and to join you in the way that you lived your life. So practice number one that we gave last week in this series was this, to write out, review, and study your story and how it fits in the great story God is telling. So that was one of the practices that we gave last week. So just by show of, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I told you we weren't gonna have you like, you know, say I did it or I didn't do it or, or whatever. But, but what I want you to do is to just know the power of your story and the power of the great story that God is telling. And I know for me, as I've been working through my own story for many years, one of the areas that God has been revealing to me where there was shame and rejection was with my learning disability. Um, early on, I was diagnosed with, having a learning disability, a learning difference, ADHD. Uh, I had to go to special classes, you know, for many years through elementary school and middle school. And what I've discovered is there's a lot of rejection that is tied to that for me and for others as well. And so what it what started to do is I would start to hide it as I became an adult, that I had forms of dyslexia at times and, and I was ashamed because I felt stupid and felt uh, rejected based off that diagnosis. And I want to tell you that because maybe you're here and you say, I have something similar. But we want to create a space where your learning difference, your neurodiversity, that which is invisible maybe to our eyes, it matters and actually makes us better when you lean into it. And as we talk about it and as we work through it and that you're of value to us here, And I know for me, one of the things that I've had to work through beyond the shame part of it, which I have worked through, is the strength of it. Because it it is harder when you have a learning disability, a learning difference, ADHD. It is harder. That's true. That's, that's That's information that's been given by medical journal after medical journal after medical journal after professional after professional after professional saying that. But here's what I've discovered. It's actually got a strength for me. And one of the strengths is that I can hold a lot of different pieces in my mind that other would say, others would say, that looks and feels chaotic to me. I'm like, no, that's where clarity comes. <laughs> it's a superpower, right? Like, I can see it. Like, they're like, whoa, like, I, they're like, you know, what's going on here, you know, and, and, and what's happening? For me, I can retain information differently. Some of you have asked, like, when I come up to preach, or, you know, I'm not bringing up notes. Are you just like winging it? Is it like the spirit, like, jolting you? And No, I'm, I'm not winging it. I actually have a process, which really throughout the week, I just review these slides and let them go deep within my heart. And then I get up and share what God has put on my heart based on what I've prepared. But I don't recommend that for everybody, right? That's just a superpower that God has given me. That's a superpower. Not everybody can do that. You know, another, another strength that comes with that is my ability uh, to relate to different people and to connect with people that are just different than me and I can create connections with them that others may have a difficult time making connections with. I can start things very easily. You know, and, and again, they have some challenges, right? Some of that, those little minutiae details, you can ask the team here at Riverbend. All the, the, the things, they're like, oh man, we, we, got, we got some process questions. And I'm like, okay, that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm glad you're here to help to answer those process questions. But again, the team makes me better. But again, it's a superpower. All that to say, whatever your thing is, even the thing you're not proud of, God wants to redeem it. And we want to create space in our church for those stories in our lives to be told to one another, but also where people, whoever they are, know that they have value, significance, and something to offer here. And so, again, I want to encourage you with that practice. The other practice was the baptism, to sign up for the baptism. That's coming up here Sunday, February 4th. I know that our little guy, uh, Mr. Ray, He's interested in baptism. We're not sure we're going to do it yet. We're we're going to have conversations, me and mom. On the way over here this morning, I told him we're having a baptism. Oh, I want to do the baptism. I want to do that. You know, I was like, hey, you know baptism is for followers of Christ. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. All right, let's talk. Let's make sure we're we're all on the same page of what baptism is and what it isn't. But he's interested. You know, and if you hear and say, hey, I want to take that step, we want to encourage you to do that. Well, as we think about where we're going, I want us to, to understand we're going to continue... To emphasize the spiritual aspect here. And we're going to be in here for a couple of weeks and then we'll get to the, the next category. But one of the things that we said last week is in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, he comes out, comes out of, in a lot of ways, of hiding and comes to the public eye. And he's baptized, right? In Matthew 3. And as he's baptized and he comes out of the water, we hear this voice from heaven say, This is my son who I love and I'm well-pleased with, and then the Spirit descends on him like a dove. So we see this this play out. We see this take shape in the life of Jesus. And it signifies also a picture of what we see in Genesis account, where we see uh, God the Father, uh, God the Son, God the Spirit hovering over the water, right? So it's a picture of that, but also a picture of his identity. And our identity through Jesus as the sons and daughters of God made in his image, made in his image. And so we talked about the power of understanding our story, who we are, but aligning who we are to who God says we are. And so Jesus models this way of life for us. And his identity and understanding that is going to be really key to what we're going to focus on next. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open up with me to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter four, verses one through three. Verses are going to be on the screen. You can use your app. We have a Riverbend app as well. And what I want to do is I want us to focus on what happens next after Jesus is baptized. Listen to what it says here, starting in verse one of Matthew four. It says, then Jesus was led by the what? By the spirit into the wilderness to be what? To be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And we're going to stop here today because here's what I want us to do for a moment. Usually, when you get to this passage, we skip over the part where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights and goes right into actually how he combated the temptations of Scripture. And we're going to get to that next week, all right? So we're, we're going to get to it. But there's something really powerful that if you're, if you're not thinking or looking at it with a critical eye that we could miss even in our own lives, that is key to the life of Jesus. It says for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. He fasted. And, and really, fasting. When you look at that practice throughout the Scripture, fasting is a time set aside to fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And we see in the life of Jesus here the Spirit's even leading him into this place where he is going to be tempted. Right? We we see this happening, that he's going to have to take on the evil one, the devil. And again, it's a reference point for us. It's it's. Uh, Going back a bit to what we see in Genesis, when Adam and Eve had to take on the serpent, the, the liar, the devil. And we see how that went. But Jesus is so much better, right? He's better than that first Adam. He's better and more perfect than that first Adam. And he makes a way for us. But one of the things that he does in that time of fasting and what fasting is set aside for is a time not only to fellowship, but concentrated prayer. That to set aside something for this instance for food for 40 days and 40 nights was actually to deepen dependence on God the Father and God the Spirit. And I I want you to think about that for a minute. If Jesus did this, and it was important to him to do it, and it was included in this passage, how much more important is it for us to have specific times like this as well? To have times that we're setting aside something That we are for a moment in time putting here so that we can make more time to connect with our Heavenly Father. How much more important is it for us? And if Jesus models the way of not only being our Savior and our leader, but shows us actually what it means to be fully human, how much more do we need a practice like fasting in our lives? And so I want you to think about that with me for a minute because. In our lives, it's so easy to feed on things that temporarily satisfy or maybe drown out the noise of life or the pain of life and even the voice of God because it allows us to find a way to deal with or to escape or to process what's going on versus to experience God's presence in deep and profound ways. And fasting's a chance for us to specifically say, I'm setting aside this time to hear your voice and to draw closer to you. And so I want you to think with me as we consider this idea about even how Jesus both fasted, but he also prayed. Say that with me, fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. prayer. It's like one, two punts. Fasting, prayer, fasting, prayer. They were working together. And in the life of Jesus one of the things that you see him do again and again is not only talk about prayer or fasting, but actually to do it, right? And so in the life of Jesus, I wanna just give you a couple instances where that happens. And we won't go to all these instances, but I want you to think about all the times that Jesus actually would prioritize praying. And so the first is that Jesus withdrew to desolate places to pray. Even in the midst of the crowd coming in and saying, hey, we have a need. We want you to do something for us. Even in the midst of that, he made time to deepen his connection with his heavenly father, to hear what his heavenly father would say to him, have for him to do, and actually what he would want Jesus to do, right? He says in John's gospel, I only do what the father has told me to do. I only say what the father has told me to say. So again, Jesus withdrew to desolate places to pray. Praying before picking his disciples. He took a whole night to pray. So this is a major decision for him. And so he took a night to pray about who are going to be the 12, Who am I going to ask to be my disciples? Times of prayer with the disciples. We see him do that several different ways, but we see these instances where he would, he would pray with them, There's a lengthy prayer in John 17. He models for them. They ask him, how should we pray? And this is where the Lord's prayer comes from, right? So Jesus prioritized prayer. He prioritized prayer. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's going to be handed over, he prays. And he prays so passionately. These, These drops of blood fall from his face. And he says, I know it's possible, Father, for you to take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. So this passionate time of prayer. Jesus on the cross praying. I just want you to think about all the instances, these major moments in the life of Jesus where he would take the time to pray. He would take the time to pray. And I want to encourage us, especially what was shared from Hunter and Alyssa to be even thinking about how much as a church we're going to need to be praying. How we need to be a people who are fasting and prayer for breakthrough, not only for our church, but in our lives as well. We need God to show up as only He can show up. And I'm convinced more than ever that deepening this area of our lives is what's going to help to do that. It's going to help us to say, Jesus, we can't, but you can. We have a part to play, but we know we can't do it apart from your which will deepen your trust. I want you to hear this because before Jesus actually is tempted in the wilderness, in the desert here, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, which also means he prays. And it's a preparation. It's a preparation for him to take on the great enemy of us all, right? the liar, the accuser of the brethren, Satan. This is the preparation part. And we're going to talk about what he said in the midst of those battles, but I don't want you to miss the preparation. The preparation in his life happened through this this fasting time, this time of prayer. Prepared him for the temptations, the trials, the testing, which will deepen our trust because after, after it's all said and done, God is after a deeper trust from us all a deeper surrender, a deeper yes, a deeper, hey, I want to walk with you. I want you to do what, what only you could do in my life. I want you to show up here in this place. The other part of this is that fasting frees you to feast on real food. So when you think about this, fasting is a chance for us to say, hey, I'm putting this aside so that I can specifically use this space that I normally occupy with binge-watching a Netflix documentary show, you fill in the blank, right? Right? Or, you know, listening to whatever podcast or eating whatever type of food. I'm, I'm purposely putting and setting that stuff aside so that I can intentionally deepen time with you. So it's not s- setting this aside just so I can lose weight, right? Fasting food, right? It can, it can help with that. That's not why why the the main goal here is. Or setting aside the time that we're using for something else, right? So I can get more done around the house or get my to-do list done. No, no, no. It's specifically so that we can feast on the real food that is God's presence. To be satisfied in Him. To experience Him in deeper ways. It's a setting aside of that time. Again, fasting frees you to feast on real food. The other part of this is that prayer provides strength in the fasting. So when you think about saying, hey, I'm setting this aside, the answer for us isn't just setting it aside. It is to intentionally take time to pray, to seek God's face. And so many of us are like, I don't even know what to pray, how to pray. And, I, and man, I, I hear you on that. We're gonna get to that in just a minute. But I, I want you to know there's power in actually just being still before God. There's power in being in His presence and allowing him to be in your presence. So you're like, here, you know, I'm not really much of a talker, much of a, Just to be still. There's power and quiet and stillness to allow him to speak. Because he is speaking, he is working. So again, prayer provides strength in the fasting. The other part of this is I want you to be thinking about what area in your life could you practice fasting for the next 40 days? What, what in your life, what area... Could you say, hey, I'm, I'm I'm setting this aside. Maybe it's a, a meal time. Like I'm going to fast breakfast or lunch or, or dinner. You know, I'm going to fast one of those meals. Or maybe you're going to take a day to fast all of them. Maybe for you, it's not a food or a meal, but maybe you're going to do eliminating certain foods. And then uh, for some of us, maybe it's not that because of just medical issues and reasons. We're going to actually uh, take a time to fast social media, fast, you know, uh, all the all the Netflix, Amazon shows that we watch, you know, you fill in the blank. And to use that as a deeper time to pray, to say, hey, I'm, I'm purposely redeeming that time. You know, and think about if you follow your phone, uh, it will tell you how much time that you're on social media. Imagine, imagine even just half of that's given to prayer. If you go through your Netflix queue, it says, hey, I watched these shows And then you do the time, how long long does each of those episodes take? You know, like imagine just even a fraction of that time given to prayer, how much progress you'll make in your prayer life with Jesus. Again, what area in your life could you practice fasting for the next 40 days? And the next part that I want to give you here, some guides. So if you're not sure about fasting, you're like, hey, I need more information. That was great what you shared, but I need to read this for myself. Good news, we have something for you. It's found on our website, riverbendonline.org slash fasting. We want to make sure you understand what it is, what it's about, how you do it, what it could look like. Again, our hope and desire for you is to make progress in your journey with Jesus in the spiritual elements of life. And obviously, we want to live an integrated life, but we're specifically talking about this area for this week. And so we want to make sure we're providing tools that will help you to achieve progress in this area. The next part here is this. How can you replace what you will fast with deeper times of prayer? What could that look like for you? How could you do that? How could you specifically carve out that time? And I know many of us here today, we're like, man, life is busy. Uh, You know, my plan, my schedule didn't go like I expected, especially if you have young kids in school and there's a bunch of snow days and you're like, oh, like, how do we, how do we work through this? How do we make this happen? And you're like trying to figure it out. And, and here's what I want you to know. Progress isn't the same thing as perfection. And I, I've said this again and again, but I want to say it like this again, because if you get caught up, it has to be a perfect or certain way. You'll never get started. If it has to be, I have a cozy blanket, I'm looking out the window, have my cup of coffee, snow's falling, oh, and it's just, oh. You know, that, that is beautiful and that's great, but that's not real life, is it? There are times for that, right? You know, there's times where that can happen, but for most of us, that's not how it's gonna work. It's gonna be on our drive into work. We're gonna purposely pray. It's gonna be, hey, we're out maybe doing a hike or a walk in the snow, and we're going to just be quiet and still before the Lord. It's going to take place and take shape in, in settings where maybe in your office, you're going to set aside that lunch hour, and you're going to go to a quiet place to pray and fast. It's going to look like all kinds of ways, but the issue for us isn't the one of bowing down for per- per- perfection, but rather progress and whatever works best given our set of circumstances and scenario. You got me? And I can't tell you what that is for you. But I want you to think about how you can do it. What are those conditions? What are those conditions? And then the other part of this is we want to provide a prayer guide for you. We want to help you to do this. And we walked through this over the fall, but I wanted to revisit it again because I think there's power in us reviewing what's been created as far as prayer guides that have a scripture, a prayer emphasis and focus. Cause some of us, we just need a guide. We need help in doing this and that's great. So it's available right here on our site, riverbendonline.org 40 days. So what I want you to do, I wanna invite you to do this because here's the thing, I believe that God wants to show up in big and profound ways And I believe it won't happen apart from our fasting and prayer and dependence on Him. I believe that He wants to do a breakthrough in our lives. I believe that some of you have strongholds that He wants to set you free from. I believe that God has a miracle that's in our midst and in front of us, but it can't happen apart from dependence on Him. And I don't even pretend to limit how that will work. So please don't hear it that Joseph's saying, if we pray and fast." I get exactly what I want. That's not what I said. That is not what I said, okay? Now that, that may, you know, get a lot of likes and people may reshare and get excited about that. But what it means is we'll be in a position to join Jesus to what he's doing because our surrender's already given. We're prepared for the ways in which he's working. So again, I wanna encourage you to do this, to commit yourself to this. And you may have another guide you're going to use. Another, I know many of you, you have other things you use. Great. Use that. The thing that I want you to commit to is prayer, scripture, fasting, seeking God. And we're going to dive more into the scripture portion of it next week. But I don't want us to miss this connection of prayer and fasting in our lives. So as we think about this, here's the practice. Here's the practice. Bottom line practice. Fasting and prayer for the next 40 days. Bottom line. This is what I want to invite you to do. And, and I want you to, again, if you're saying, hey, I'm trying, I'm starting it, I'm, I'm working towards it, um, you know, I, I fell off the wagon, okay, that's all right. The goal isn't perfection. The goal is progress. I know there's many times, even for me, there are things that I've, you know, I've fallen off. Okay. You don't have to stay falling off. And if you get caught up in perfection, you'll say, oh, it's too late. I just blew it. I might as well just keep going the way I'm going. That is not anywhere in the scripture, by the way, right? That is not how we are to live. So we're we're free in Christ to join him in these things. And so what I want to do, even as we think about feasting on the real food of God, I want to give us an opportunity to remember what he's done for us. Because all this preparation, all this temptation was leading him to a day where he would willingly lay his life down for each and every one of us. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. And if you haven't received communion supplies, we're going to take communion. Will you just throw your hand in the air? Throw your hand in the air. If you are here and you're handing out communion supplies, just look at these hands. There's some over here. We've got a bunch here. But as we take communion, we're called to do this in remembrance of Jesus, what he's done for us, how he's made a way through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And this is designed for those who are followers of Christ, those who say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm trusting him as the only way to save me. I've, I've said yes to him through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. So it's a time designed for those who are followers of Christ. But we're called to use this time to take inventory in our lives. You know, this is a time to remember what he says of us, the deep, deep love, that he has for us, the fact that he willingly came to pursue us. He's made a way through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so just to remember that, but also to confess, where have I gotten it wrong? And to ask for forgiveness, to ask for forgiveness, to say, Jesus, forgive me, and to forgive those who have wronged you. You know, if you're really doing it right, you're going to have to really ask God to forgive you because there are times you blow it. But I know when I look at how I've blown it, it also makes me apt to say to the people who've blown it for me, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna forgive. I'm I'm choosing to release because I don't want to be held captive by the prison of bitterness. I don't want to be held by that. And then there may be people you need to make it right with. You need to go to and to ask for forgiveness. To say, hey, I've wronged you. I've hurt you. Please forgive me. So we can do that because unlike us, we can't hit perfection, but Jesus did. And that's good news, right? We, we can't hit the mark of perfection, but he did it for us perfectly. Amen? And so as we think about that, I wanna invite us into this space to remember what he's done for us. Let's pray. Father, right now we thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. We thank you how... The wafer represents your body broken for us. And the juice represents your blood spilled for us. Jesus, we do this in remembrance of you. Jesus, we are so, so grateful for the good and perfect work that you have done for us. That in your perfection on our behalf, we can make progress with we, we can join you. We can join you in what you call. So, Lord, I just pray, even for those who are coming in today, who are searching, seeking, not sure what they think about Jesus and church, I pray that this would be the day that they would take a next step towards you and what you have for them. For those who are hurting, who are brokenhearted, who have a diagnosis, a relationship that is splintered, some dynamics that are unfolding that are just hard, Lord, I pray that in a real way, they would know that it's by your stripes we are healed. You were beaten and bruised for us, the man of sorrows, acquainted with our griefs. And for us who come in full of joy and gratitude, I pray that that would lead us to a deeper, deeper surrender to you and to join you in helping to provide comfort and care for those friends. We love you, Jesus.